Hi, welcome back to Eye to Eye, a weekly podcast talk show about passion, flow, and creativity, a place where we find ourselves in each other's stories. I'm your host, Aaron Holman, and our guest today is... Obscenity, it's me! (laughs) (laughs) Obscenity, happy you could join us today. Thank you for having me, I'm excited. Well, welcome to Eye to Eye, Obscenity. I've been a fan of yours for quite a long time, so I'm just going to start off with saying how grateful I am that you're here. Thank you. I'm honored. (laughs) For our listeners out there who don't know, Obscenity sometimes goes by the name Billy, but is formerly known as the world's number one Reba impersonator. Question for you. Is that endorsed by Reba herself? Now, you said formally known as. (laughs) Did I? Did you mean formally as in past tense? Or is it just very formal? (laughs) I just meant, uh, yeah, very formal. Very formal. The foremost. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, actually, I do get um, feedback from Reba herself, actually. Uh, I'm friends with several people on her management team and her her gay bestie. Mm -hmm. And... um, I've posted pictures on Instagram and stuff and they'll be on vacation together and her gay bestie will post on my photo. We love the hair, the uh, the 90s hair, but it needs to be bigger and longer. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Duly noted. Yeah. Definitely. I love it though. I love it. To get that kind of critique from from her, you know, it's it's an amazing thing. Yeah. It's unbelievably rare to get that kind of focus and then Mm -hmm. that advice, you know, invaluable. I, I um, copied, I redid a photo of hers. It was a Christmas photo. And she's in this little sequin dress and she's sitting on a Christmas ball. And it says Merry Christmas. And I did one pretty much identical to it and um, got a message that said, Reba loved the, uh, the picture, but she's uh, clutchy for the shoes being different. <laughs> I assume that you have taken that and changed the shoes. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Well, um, go ahead and for our listeners, please introduce yourself because I know there's quite a few, there, you have a long list of credits here. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. So I, um, I started drag in 2003 in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, around the same time as Trinity the Tuck from RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. Uh, that's actually one of my best, best friends. Um, that's my sister. <laughs> and um, I started working here in Birmingham. So I did drag for the first time as a joke um i was friends with trinity's drag mother at the time who um became became my drag sister i guess but i did drag for him as a joke because he should travel with him as his drag assistant basically Mm -hmm. um i was a drag bitch so (laughs) i would travel with her and we had we had so much fun on those trips and she's i said what your birthday's coming up what do you want and she said well um why don't you do drag and i'm gonna give you a name and i was like okay and um, she and there were three other queens at the time from Atlanta that uh, would come to Birmingham and perform, and I would travel with them. And so she gave me a combination of their names. So was, their names were Raven, Jordan Kennedy, and Heather Daniels. And my name was Ravinity Daniels. Ravinity. Ravinity Daniels. Hmm. So I went out to TJ Maxx and bought a dress and got painted in drag and went on stage and did this little number and surprised him for his birthday because he did not expect it like he was literally shocked he did not expect it because no one would have expected me to do it and i think that's why i wanted to do it so badly because i was like i'll do it this one time and that's it 
Mm-hmm. Well, I won the talent show because it was in a, it was a talent show, and I won. Wow! So, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, I was friends with the host of the talent show, and it, when you win, you come back the next week and perform in the show. Mm. And I was like, no, 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 no. This was just one time. No, no, no. But everyone kept, no, do it again, do it again. It was so much fun. And they said, next time you got to do a rebus because everybody knew I was a big rebus fan. Um, so I was like, fine, I'll do two songs. <laughs> and so I came back next week and I did the same song that I won with. That was in October. So December was coming up. Jordan was putting together a Christmas show. And um, she's like, you should do drag again for my Christmas show. And you should, she actually picked out what's on that song. And I was like, uh, she goes, I don't think anybody would else do it, but you would do it. And so she says, I want you to dress up as the Virgin Mary and do <laughs> like a virgin and let me ride that donkey. And I said, okay. Classic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's what I like to bring back often. It's fun. <laughs> um, so I did. And then after that, uh, there was a new queen that moved to Birmingham that had a show on Friday nights. And she was like, I'm going to give you a booking. And I was like, wait, what? And it just, one thing after another. And I, I did the talent show one time. Yeah. I, didn't do, I didn't have to go back and do it. All the queens that were, all the new queens in town did it over and over and over and over and over again. Trinity did it for like a couple of years. And wow. um, I got, somehow got lucky. Mm-hmm. I just started getting bookings. Mm-hmm. And then within a year, I had my own show on Sunday nights at a little bar that didn't have drag um, and except my show on Sunday nights. And it was a 9 p.m. show. They operated under a restaurant license. So um, underage kids could come in. So I'd have like 14, 15 year olds at my drag show. That's amazing. Um, so it was it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I loved that little venue. It was a tiny little venue with a cute little stage, like a little cabaret stage. What was it um, called? Uh, the Jazz Cafe, Twenty Second Street Jazz Cafe. Jazz Cafe. Yes. So how long did you do that? I mean, so I like from what I'm hearing is it pretty much just snowballed for you. Um, yeah. How long did you have your show there at the Jazz Cafe? And then what was after that? I had that show for a little over a year. The manager or the owner, I'm sorry, um, wasn't paying the bills, uh, the power bills and stuff. And the power got shut off. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm done. And I guess I'd get built up my name a little bit enough uh, that one of the other bars who was trying to build their business offered me a job. And uh, it was called the Lakeview Yacht Club. And I started there like the next week and was on cast there. Oh God! Well, so the Lakeview Yacht Club is the, the bar I work in now was the Lakeview Yacht Club. So mm-hmm. I've worked in the same bar for since then, basically wow. um, under many different names. Um, but I worked there all the way up until 2013 when I left Birmingham and started back the day I got back. The two days after I got back to Birmingham, I was back on that stage. Wow! Um, so it really yeah. is, that would definitely be your home. Yeah, it is my home bar. Mm-hmm. I won't say it's my favorite stage to perform on because I have favorites. But it's my home. It's it's the one I'm most comfortable on. That makes absolute sense. Where I first was exposed to your talents were um, on the stage in Nashville at Play Dance Mm -hmm. Bar. Um, Can you talk about your experience living in Nashville uh, and then how that sort of compares to what Alabama drag is like? So um, when I moved to Nashville, I knew Play was very exclusive. Deception, I had been a long time. So I did have, I I knew the owners and I had been there but I'd never been booked. So I knew, I knew I'd probably try to get some work every now and then. But when I moved, I'd been doing drag for a while and I was kind of like ready for a break. Yeah. So I got my first booking the, my first week in Nashville. Oh gosh, it was, it was awful. My first booking at play was the worst ever. 
So mm-hmm. it was the week I moved to Nashville, which was in the middle of December. So I got there on Sunday. I started my new job on Tuesday and it was a retail job. So it was Christmas retail work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then I was booked at place Saturday night. I was exhausted yeah. and so nervous because I've been wanting to work there for so long. It was like so, so nervous. And I ended up drinking a little too much. Um, because, oh, I mean, my first number. I walk out my first number and I have this big green headdress on. Mm-hmm. And they have huge Christmas wreaths on each side of the stage. And you have to go, you know, those little side walls? Oh, yeah. The stage, the white walls. Um, so I have to go over, shimmy over to get some tips from over there. And my headdress gets caught on the wreath and comes <gasps> off of my head. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I was devastated. Dev- <laughs> I mean, I caught it. It wasn't, like, super obvious, but it was just, it, it was devastating. I, I, I so... I never thought of me doing drag, so I have stage fright. And I, like, I always have. Um, I was always terrified to go on stage. Um, I'm better about, I've gotten so much better over the years. Like I, still, I get pre-show jitters now. Yeah. And then once I'm on stage, I'm fine. I'm the same once way. Once that first number is done, I'm fine. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, but Nashville was amazing. So I did that show and then um, didn't get booked, worked for a little while. And then um, I was coming back to Birmingham every now and then and performing. It was a few months. And then the... Uh, a friend of mine from Birmingham was on the Nashville Pride Board mm. and he asked me if I would host an event for them, a fundraiser. And I said, absolutely. I would love to. So I've always said that part of my stick is being on a microphone. I, people like me more if they can hear me talk. Gift of gab. Yeah. And um, I've always been very confident in that. So I, um, and I never thought I would be, but I, I love it. So I hosted the Pride event and I was on fire that night. Like I was really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, I know I'm not always funny. I know when I'm funny <laughs> and I know when I'm not. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, some nights I'm just not. Like some nights that stage fright's still there for a second. You know, I'm just like, uh, I'm in my head. Yep. But um, that night I was on fire and um, I started getting more bookings at play right after that. Like I was booked to get a play right after that. And then of course, you know, I started, um, I was doing Reba. And so, my Reba was getting better and better too. Yeah. I got him in Reba for a couple of years as a character. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I started getting booked more and more. And then I started getting attention and, uh, from like Reba's uh, management team. Mm-hmm. You know, they came to see me at play one night. And one of them tweeted a video of me performing and said, I've never seen anyone do it like this. Like the hand, the, the, the side clap, the foot stomp, the, <laughs> the smile, all of it. I was like, uh, I was on cloud nine yeah from that i absolutely love working at play dance bar was that when you realized um with that tweet is that when you realized that you could carve out that reba niche more for yourself yes Mm. and they actually reached out to me and we ended up becoming friends wow um that way yeah the first time i met reba was um at his housewarming party he bought a new home and i got invited to the housewarming party and reba came and um uh, i was standing in a group of people and her assistant was in the group and a few people that I knew. And eventually she comes up behind me and puts her chin on my shoulder, like sneaks up behind me. And she puts her chin on my shoulder wow. and I look over and it's, I've been a fan of this woman since five years old. Yeah. I mean, I look over, there's Reba McIntyre and uh, she looks across at her assistant. And she goes, do you see the resemblance? And I wasn't in drag. So I was just, <laughs> and I looked at her assistant and her assistant looked really confused. And so I said, what if I smile like this? And I did my Reba smile. And then she looked even more confused. Wow. And I looked at Reba and I said, I think I might need my makeup on. And she goes, I always need my makeup on. Oh my Lord. Yes. What a good experience. It was amazing. <laughs> it was, 
my friends told me later they they were like they were how did you do that and i was like yeah they were like you were so cool and calm and such i said not on the inside i was falling apart that i was standing next to my idol like she is the reason i if i ever wanted to be an entertainer she is the reason i wanted to be an entertainer what was your first exposure to reba like what what was it about reba that did that for you i don't know i i grew up on country music and um, I just really loved Reba's songs. I remember five years old, like wh- whoever's in New England came out in 85 and I was five. So um, I just remember loving that song. And then I f- saw her my first time in concert when I was nine. And then I saw her um, like throughout the nineties. I probably missed three years, three shows in the nineties, three tours. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen her about 17 times now, wow. but she is just one of my all time favorite entertainers. And I love her style of entertaining and everything. So it's funny because when I started doing drag, I didn't think I could look like Reba. And so I would do Reba songs, but I didn't try to look like her. You know, mm-hmm. I would just kind of do like a maybe, maybe a red wig and something. Inspired kind of by. Like, yeah, inspired by. So Trinity kept telling me, you have got to start doing as a character. You've got to start doing a character. And I couldn't do it. It took 10 years. And um, I worked with an, an entertainer. I don't know if you know who Tasha Long is. Tasha Long. She's I know of her. The, yeah. Okay. So she does an amazing Dion Warwick. Like she is, she is Dion Warwick. That is one of the divas that I would try to do if I ever did drag as well. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Dion. I would do the got to be real Dion. You ever seen got to be real on YouTube? Oh yeah. Oh my <laughs> yes. God. She's my favorite character on there. She is my favorite. So, um, so I worked with Tasha and I was backstage with her. I'd worked with her many times and, um, but I finally got to see her do her Dion Warwick. And backstage, I noticed her drooping her, her face, and she was she kept dripping the sides of her face, and that's what made her look like Dionne Warwick. She did she made a face, and I never thought about doing that before. Mm-hmm. Well, right after that, I got to go see Reba again in um, 2011. Um, I got to go to a, a taping for a TV special Reba was performing, and it was a, a concert special, and I was just blown away. And I'm driving back because I drove it was in Louisiana. I drove back, and I was like, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. So, because I've got my lips done in 2006, mm-hmm. too. So I have, like, big plump lips. I was like, what am I going to do with these? Ooh, very good. So, <laughs> um, we got, I got back to Birmingham, and I was getting ready for the show that weekend, and I'd gotten a wig together. I had some wigs that I just put together and made this uh, red weaver wig. And then I started playing around in my makeup, and I drew my lips on differently. And I sit, sat in the mirror, and I was making faces in the mirror, different faces. And... um the other entertainer that was getting ready was across from me and she could see me in the mirror and she was laughing at me. And then all of a sudden she stopped laughing and she goes, do that one again, do that one again. And I made this like, she's put your wig on, put your wig on. And I put, I did the face, I put my wig on and I was like, Oh wow. Um, how am I going to lip sync like this? Mm-hmm. And she goes, I don't know, but you're going to figure it out. Mm. <laughs> like lip syncing with the face. Yeah. Cause you have to, I have to hold my cheekbones up and cause it, it <laughs> you have to lift. <laughs> Yes, yeah, the lift. <laughs> you know that makes sense. After a long weekend of mini Reba numbers, I'm like, give my cheekbones a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I walked out on stage that first time, doing a song of hers that uh, that really was part of the inspiration because it was a newer song on a new album, and it's such a cool song. It's called "All the Women I Am," and um, for me, I was like, you know, I'm seeing so many characters and stuff. So it was it's inspired. It was "All the Women I Am," so. I walked out there and several of my friends were in the, in the audience and I walked out and when their face, their faces, they didn't know, they were shocked and they were laughing. Like it was funny to them, but they were like, what? 
Like they mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. It was, yeah. and that reaction to me, I was like, oh, wow. I finally found something that's going to keep me relevant and in drag for a long time. That like I was, I, I was so excited and I never stopped learning. Like my rebus is always getting better. I always, you know, try to update and change things and make things better. Like a few years ago, I decided to stop doing Reba inspired costumes and actual make knockoffs of her things. And so very nice. That, that is definitely an amping it up into yes. impersonation. So I will tell you this about, about my Reba. Because I study myself very much because I like to do that. I learned that from Tina Turner. She talked about studying herself on stage and learning about how you stand, what you do. And She was who we were going to go and discuss next. Oh, good. <laughs> I love talking about her, too. <laughs> um, so um, I started watching myself, and um, I, I changed little things. And what I see, there's certain pictures, like face on, I can see where I look like her. Because I don't think I look that much like her. I think I, res- I can give like a resemblance. Um, but the mannerisms I have on stage, I was a fan so long and a little kid that I would go home after seeing her shows or on TV and I would go in my room and do the things she was doing. Yep. So when I started doing her as a character, those mannerisms came so naturally to me. Mm-hmm. They were like, they were like choreography. It was choreography to me. That's yeah. what I knew what to do. Choreography that then became like your natural expression. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a great compliment from um, Cody Allen. I don't know if you know who he is. He has the yes. CMT Country 20, Top Hot Country 20 Countdown. And um, he actually sent me a message on Twitter while I was living in Nashville and told me that I was his favorite queen at play. And anytime I was there to let him know. Mm. And so he would come and see me. Well, one night he came and um, he thought I was, I had done Reba, of course, but I was doing a Dixie chick song later in the show. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards he said, um, he came backstage and he said, I'm going to tell you a compliment. I want you to make sure you know, this is a compliment. He said, I, cause I didn't see Reba, but I can see how much Reba inspired you as an entertainer just when you did that song. And I was, like, yeah, I was blown away. I was, yeah, I almost cried. I, you know, I probably did cry. That is the point. You know, that is the yeah. point. Um, I can imagine, you know, one of the reasons that it brings you so much joy to uh, bring her to life is, yeah. you know, the admiration you have for her. Ugh. And for me, th- for me, the most rewarding thing, any, like, some of the most rewarding th- moments that have happened were like fans of hers that came to see me and they said, I've never gotten to see Reba in concert and now I've gotten to see you. It's like the next best thing. And I'm oh. like, Oh, like, and for me, like it, it, it's, it gets to me. It's the, yeah. it, it, it drives me. It makes me want to do it more. Mm-hmm. So I love that. I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. that is, I think that's really incredible. In this day and age, it's more important than ever to invest in our local economy. If you live in the U.S., or better yet, in Yakima, luckily you can do that while treating yourself to something sweet. Isn't it time you try a little different flavor? Pikanika Candies is a Facebook shop specializing in the new Pika candy craze. They take your favorite candies, dried fruit, and even nuts and cover them in a homemade tangy lime coating. If you're ready to take it to the next level, you can ask them to season your candies with a kick of extra spice. Mm. Pikanika creates candy packages, dessert kebabs, and candy tables for your special event needs. Make sure to like and follow Pikanika Candies on Facebook. Message them directly to place orders or talk about custom packages. Stay spicy, Pika peeps. So we are back with Obscenity, world's number one Reba impersonator. Uh, But a topic that I wanted to ask you about, Tina Turner. (laughs) <laughs> yes the woman who changed my life how'd she change your life so 
we're about to get emotional okay <laughs> what we're here for um so i like i said i grew up listening to country music all my life in 1993 i was 13 years old um i was living with my mom and she was married to a man who was my stepfather um we didn't get along he was not a nice person um i'll say that um my great grandmother was living with us at the time she had alzheimer's and she was very very sick um she was dying and um i was just very depressed and i was crying all the time for no reason I, I hated life i wanted to die like i hated my life and i remember one day and it's a weird moment but it that i remember it so vividly um i was sitting on the couch watching tv with my mom mm -hmm. and we we're watching music videos and the song i don't want to fight no more by tina mm -hmm. turner came on and to be 13 years old I, it's so weird to me that because i love lyrics and i guess i really paid, i didn't realize how much i paid attention to them as a child but um there's a line in the song that says, it seems to be that lately you look at me the wrong way and I start to cry. Could it be that maybe this crazy situation is the reason why? I don't care who's wrong or why. I don't want to fight anymore. Well, that really touched me. Like I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't, I don't know what to do. And I was so drawn to her in that music video. Like she was so beautiful and just, so I was just like, what is this? And so the movie had What's Love Got To that came mm -hmm. out. So I went to see the movie. Um, I found out that the book, was way more impressive than the movie and i read her book and i mean it just it she talks about like how, how life is how you make it and i learned that that lesson from her that you know life is a journey you learn from it you grow and you make it yeah better for yourself no one's gonna do it for you you can't sit around and wait for somebody you know you you do it and she's just so inspiring um i, I mean she, of course she's one of my favorite entertainers too because the first time i saw her concert, <laughs> i was just like wow and i, I got 10 times and I actually um, saw her, I was at her very last concert in 2009 wow. in Sheffield, England. Um, just, just amazing, just the way she lives her life, um, her philosophies. I, I started studying Buddhism because of her. Um, I've learned a lot from her, you know, she just, she was running. So it wasn't like Reba like started with music and entertainment and thing. Reba was first the inspiration by like living life and mm -hmm. that sort of That's thing. absolutely incredible. Uh have you ever performed as Tina? <laughs> I know you look a little oh, less God. like Tina than you do Reba. So when I first started doing drag, you know, I was this new kid. I didn't never thought I'd be doing this. So I got a little hot headed. I was like, I can do anything I want to do. So I decided I was going to do Tina Turner as a talent. Not try to not not, not, not try to look identical to her. Kind of like I don't know if you, there's an, an entertainer in Louisville named Hurricane Summers, and she's white, and she does Tina Turner, and she just paints her face a little bit and wears mm -hmm. makeup. And I was like, I can do that. So I, I got dancers together and I did the, I mean, I knew the choreography, mm -hmm. but I'm not a dancer. So we put it all together and I did this pageant and I won interview. I won presentation. I won evening gown and I got third or last in talent. And I got first or I lost the pageant. Wow. One of the judges wrote in my score sheet, you are too white to be trying oh, to, try to be doing Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't believe it. Trinity was one of those dancers, and we have pictures of it. Trinity always calls me Tanya. <laughs> Tanya! <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I do. So I'm, I'll throw in a Tina song every now and then. Um, just a little different things just to do, but I don't try to do them as her. You know, just maybe like a headdress or something. That makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. All right. If, if not Tina Turner and if not Reba, if those were off limits, who would your third be? Oh. <sighs> I've seen her eight times in concert. I've held her hand twice while she sang one of her biggest songs, Cindy Lauper. <gasps> oh. 
So I, the first time I saw Cindy was the first time I saw Tina. She was opening for Tina. And I had, wow. she, had re- she just released an album called Sisters of Avalon. There was a song on the, t- on the radio that I really liked um, called You Don't Know. And it's still one of my all-time favorite songs. But, um, oh, I was excited because I was like, I didn't really know much about Cindy Lauper. So I got to see her live for the first time. And once I saw her live, I was, she, it was nothing like what I expected. I expected that 80s boppy thing, but she's an artist. Like, she's incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of those early 80s songs, she didn't write most of them. And then um, when she writes her own music, I mean, she's just fantastic. And her voice, oh, my God. Oh, when I saw her the first time, she was six, six months pregnant, wearing a lime green skin-tight catsuit and a purple wig. Oh, my and Lord. So after that, I saw her again. She opened for Cher. And then I started going to see her shows. She did a few tours um, with the Two Colors tours. I went to those in Atlanta. Um, and I just became hooked. Anytime, any chance I got to see her, I would see her. At one of the shows in Atlanta, I got close up at the front and she does always just true colors as her encore. And she was walking through and she grabbed my hand and held it for a minute. But it gets even better. The one time I saw her here in Birmingham, it was mm-hmm. in a very small venue. And I was on like fourth row, it was the closest I'd ever been. And I was just having so much fun that night. I went by myself by the, to the show. And I was one of the loudest people in the audience that night. So Cindy definitely got me, got hurt. Yep. Um, and she goes on the audience a lot during her shows and like standing chairs. Well, she comes out during my favorites, one of my favorite songs of hers, grabs my hand and stands up in my chair. And I'm just standing there holding her hand while she's standing in my chair and singing uh, uh, Change of Heart. Wow. And I'm just awestruck. Like I, I'm, I, and I'm frozen. I don't know what to do. The people behind me, I didn't realize until it was too late, were trying to get my attention because I had a camera and they were going to take a photo, but I, I was just like, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So then she got down and back up on the stage. At the end of the show, during True Colors, people got up and walked to the front. Well, I made it front and center. Yeah. And right at the end of the song, she plays the, the dulcimer. I the dulcimer. She uses a pick. At the end of the song, I was crying. She walked around the dulcimer and handed me her pick, like di- directly handed me her pick. And wow. I cried all the way to my car. And then I sat in my car for like 20 minutes and cried. I, it was amazing. I have it framed. I'm looking at it right now on my wall. <laughs> Those are some really powerful experiences you had with these women. I love going to concerts and I've had some great experiences. Um, Kylie Minogue did a best dress contest in came, and I dressed in drag and I had second receipts and I was in a, a, rock, a knockoff of one of her costumes from her previous tour. And so I won, I got a signed tour book. They took a picture of me on the stage. She tweeted it. Oh, um, yeah. It Obscenity. Was cool. It's obscene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, one of the best ones, Patty LaBelle. I went to see Patty LaBelle and um, I was really close to the front row. And during Lady Marmalade, she brings gossip on stage. And mm-hmm. so that she told the security, let me, I need three guys, bring me three guys up. So three guys get up on stage and Patty looks over and she goes, oh, I, I need a white guy. Give me a white guy. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I was one of the few in the front. And so everybody looked at me. Well, they had to like hoist those other guys up on the stage. My little short ass threw myself up on that stage. I was so excited. I, mean, I, I would did, have I too. I was, and I was up on the stage. And then when I got up there, I was like, oh shit, she's going to try to make a scene. Like, what am I going to do? So she goes and she goes, goes to the first guy and she makes him sing. And she goes to the second guy and she makes him dance. She goes to the third guy, makes him sing. And she gets to me. And by the time I've got my phone out with a picture of me and dragged up. And um, she goes, can you sing? I said, no. I said, I'm a drag queen. I said, but if you sing it, I'll lip sync it. And she just buckled <laughs> over and laughed her. And she said, she had looked at my picture. She said, oh, is that you? And I said, yeah. And she goes, say this, sing this note. And I did it. And I was and like, and she like laughed. And like the crowd laughed. And I was like, I knew that was going to happen. Well, she goes, well, can you dance? I said, yeah, like a white boy. 
And so she laughed again and she said, dance. And so I danced and she was buckling. So they were, I could see her monitor at the front of the stage and they were rushing her because um, it was almost time for the show to be over. Mm-hmm. So she was like, bye everybody. Bye. So she hugged the first guy real fast, hugged the third guy, second guy, third guy, and then just grabbed me and embraced me with like a rocking hug. And um, after the show, we waited around in the, out the back and her, one of her band members saw us by the fence and brought us back and we got to uh, say hey to her and she took pictures with us. Um, it was amazing. She's so sweet. Wow. I love Patty LaBelle. Um, that <laughs> one right too. there. That right there. Uh, that would be on my bucket list, you know, uh, moments in life. Let me tell you, um, during that show, I, I don't remember the name of the song. I, um, it was once she said she had written it, it was about the world today and everything. It was a beautiful song. But she was really just into it and walked, she had her microphone in the stand and she was dragging it to the side of the stage and walked all the way over to one side of the stage, steps away away from the microphone that's in the microphone stand, walks back to the other side of the stage and continues singing. And the entire venue is silent. People are on their feet. And I get to one thinking about it. Her voice just echoed throughout the entire venue. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced at any concert. It was so beautiful. Yeah, her stage presence is, is unreal. Uh, she has that video, that viral video of where's her backup singers? Yes, not there. Yes. And she's just yelling for them. Yes. Oh, where are my so she, had a, she had a similar moment at that concert. She opened. It was an outdoor venue, and she opened with uh, what's it called? Say my name, Patty. When you talk about love, mm-hmm. and um, she was doing the part. Say my name, Patty, Patty. And she goes, "Where's my coat, Patty, Patty?" And she goes, "Bring my coat." And and she kept doing it until they finally brought her coat out. She was cold, so they brought her coat out. At one point, she goes, I said, bring my coat. (laughs) I mean, that's so funny. That sounds 100% right. You know, you better get that woman her coat. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And when she changed clothes, she came out and with a complete different wig and everything. I was like, yes, Patty LaBelle. Come and show her this red dress and this red fur. Ugh. She was amazing. She is living life. That is so funny. So something that I have not gotten to hear about from you yet, but you've mentioned a little bit, pageants. Um, oh, yeah. How'd you get started in those? And uh, I don't know, what are your plans with that, if any? So I just started in pageants. I started not long after I started doing drag. My first pageant, I think, was in 2000. I started in 2003. really started in 2004. I did a talent show in 2003, that Christmas show. Um, and my first one was in 2005. Um, but that, I, that's what everyone around here, that's how you got your name out, was to do mm-hmm. pageants. You wanted to, be, you wanted to represent a, a, a title. And so my first title was Miss Gay Pride, or the first one I competed in was Miss Gay Pride and I lost, which was fun because they had a small crown. <laughs> and um, the next one I won. And so I had this pattern for some reason. I had this thing where I won every other pageant that I competed in for a long time. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. But... Um, but I won like everything here in Birmingham. And then, um, you know, I did, um, I did a pageant that was uh, predominantly African-American. They had never had a white contestant before in 2010. Um, and I won. Wow. And uh, I, I was blown away. Like, cause these Queens were amazing. I've always, uh, I love pageant Queens and some of the African-American girls, like they just bring yeah. it to the pageants. Like they know beauty. And um, so for me to win that, I was, I was, blown away and it gave me the confidence because Trinity had been trying to get me to compete in national pageants for a long time, the big ones, and I wouldn't do it. Um, but it gave me the confidence to, to try. And so I did national entertainer of the year in 2011, the year of war sex and one. And I made the top 10 my first time. 
That was your first time? Mm-hmm. At, at EOI, yeah. Very impressive. Yes. And then, so right after that, I decided I wanted to go do All-American Goddess because I liked the um, creative costume category. And so I went to all, I won my, I won my preliminary, actually I won my preliminary to, to EOI uh, and beat Trinity. We both competed in the same preliminary. She, she was my first runner-up. Then I went uh, to Tennessee All-American Goddess to do that prelim and I won every category except uh miss congeniality no um interview i think i didn't want, but i want like it was like it was like a big sweep and i'd never done that before i'd never had that before so i went to Auburn goddess and i made the top 12 my first year after that i did a couple more like i did miss renaissance twice i guess i got runner up but once i got to nashville and i started getting exposure with reba um i kind of just and then drag race chart you know, drag, page, drag started changing and pageants to me just aren't you don't need them as much to get your name out and what I, what I learned is I looked back and I thought I never really wanted to do the pageants I just wanted to perform mm. um I hated the, the competition part it wrecked my nerves I, um, I love yep. performing mm-hmm. and so I um I just made this decision recently and I was like you know it, unless something comes up I just don't really care to do any pageants anymore I'm fine with how my name is now. If I get on drag racing, that'd be great. But, mm-hmm. and I'm doing, you know, I'm getting new things all the time with Reba. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I don't want to put myself through that kind of, um, uh, nervous, like anxiety thing. I don't want, I can't do that to myself. I understand exactly what you're talking about. I'm not much for competition either. Uh, mm-hmm. but I do love being in front of a crowd. And so yeah. I will enter into a competition to be in front of a crowd. Yeah. You know, and then when I'm there, of course I want to win, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can completely relate to that. I did look back at my pageant career. And I'm, this, was one, this is one thing that kind of made me feel good about it, by giving them up, mm-hmm. was I had competed in a lot of national pageants. And deep in my heart, I didn't really want to do them. So I thought, like, if I did that well, not wanting to do them, if I had wanted to, I could have won one. And I, that, I feel confident that I would have won at least something eventually, you know, maybe not that first year or something, but I had what it took to, to do that. If I could make finals at all these pageants. Yeah. So if I had really wanted to and been dedicated to it, I would have done it. And I'm, I'm happy about that. You know, that's mm-hmm. because again, this is a drag career that was never meant to be. This wasn't supposed to happen. So that's a, that's, to me, it's an accomplishment. Oh, absolutely. Anyone who can, actually have a career especially without you know a platform like rupaul's drag race dragula or one of these other you know televised competitions that's very impressive and very rare you know it does not happen for everybody no i've i've wanted to i have auditioned for rupaul's drag race and Mm -hmm. um but part of me is like it's one of those things that i would love to do it because of exposure and get to do that and travel more and everything but at the same time that competition thing to have to go through that and Trinity's told me stories like it's, it's so challenging. And I just, I know how I am. And I, I'm so afraid that I would get in my head about something mm-hmm. and they would just fumble everything up for me. And I just don't want to do that on national television. So if it doesn't happen, I yeah. think I'll be okay with it. You know, that makes sense. You know, yeah. uh, for what it's worth, I, I would love to see you on the show. I think that it would bring something really fun. I mean, they have not had a Reba on Snatch Game yet. And it needs to happen. I know there are a couple of key characters that like have not happened on that snatch game. Yeah. And I just don't understand why people haven't thought of them either. Um, yeah. Has there been a Lindsay Lohan? Uh, you know, I don't know. So this is another thing. 
I didn't really watch Drag Race until mm-hmm. Trinity season. <laughs> <laughs> because I did, I did, so when I started doing drag, like I was working a full, I've always worked a full-time job mm-hmm. and I would do drag on the weekends. So I was always working. And there for a while in Birmingham, I was doing drag three, four, five nights a week and working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So I was just tired of drag and um, I didn't want to watch it on TV. Um, mm-hmm. but then when people I knew started getting on there and then Trinity was on there and I watched every episode and then, um, and then I've gone back and watched it afterwards and I love the show now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't watch it for a long time. And so all of it's still kind of new to me mm-hmm. and I have to watch things multiple times before I remember everything. <laughs> oh, that's perfectly fine. Don't even uh, worry about it. Living in Nashville though, I got to work with a lot of great drag race queens and, um, there were a lot of, like Bianca Del Rio is one of my absolute favorite people in the world. Love her so much. And I love Chad. I think what Chad brings to, you know, the art of drag is professionalism, you know, real professionalism. She is that, that we we call it old school drag now, but she is that type of drag that I grew up on that I fell in love with. Cause I, I watched it for years and years before I started performing. Mm -hmm. And that's part of that part of, part of me as an entertainer. I, I want to keep part of the try to keep part of that uh, alive in my entertainment as well. But Chad is the epitome of that. Um, so professional, like just, perfect everything is perfect yeah, about her like I, i've never looked at her and go oh girl that's wrong no <laughs> <laughs> it is always right mm-hmm. yes and her share like it's like you if you stand next to her it's like standing next to share and i, I, I st- swear i can't tell the difference at times no she and um jay jolie jay jolie mm-hmm. the first time i saw jay jolie i had gone to play louisville with the roar and we were going during the day to pick up some stuff and um they were doing a photo shoot and Jade walked up just to Taylor Swift. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like I was a little starstruck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time I saw Cody Collins as Reba McIntyre, I had not, re- I had not met Reba or anything yet. So I saw Cody Collins as Reba McIntyre and I was starstruck at her too. So those entertainers, those impersonators that, um, give you that awe standing next to them. I only hope I can do that to people as Reba. So I can say, uh, as someone who's just enjoyed you from the audience many times, mm-hmm. you you do give that sense that Reba is in the room. You know, oh, it really you. does feel like she's there when you perform her. Thank you. You, you know, drag, like I said, I've had anxiety. So um, sometimes doing things, I'd be afraid of them. I'd be afraid to try things because I didn't know what I could do. And then when I found this, it's it's just something that comes so natural. And I'm so confident in it. And I just love doing it. Like, I never get, it's not, I can go anywhere and travel and walk on stage of Reba and, and 100% confident as Reba, but I might walk out another number in like a headdress or something and be scared to death of how they're going to react to me. Mm-hmm. But I don't worry about that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like, I, I like each version of yourself that you bring on stage. It's always thank very you, entertaining. You, it really thank is. You. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I've had a lot of great experiences and I've captured a lot of audiences both ways. So I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. Well, we are moving on to our final segment of Eye to Eye today uh, with our guest obscenity, which is Passions Lately. Ah. Oh. Uh. Yes. So very simply, obscenity, uh, what have you been obsessed with lately? What are you passionate about lately? So say my new job, because when I moved back to Birmingham, an organization called Birmingham AIDS Outreach. And um, I work in the education and prevention department and I do circle in a way because I first started doing drag. Um, I was asked to do a benefit show for them once and I did the thing and I thought, Oh, so if I'm going to do this obscenity thing, if I'm going to you know, make, I can 
something good with it too. Like I want to do something good. And so I started having my own benefit shows for them. And I started doing a lot of things with the age. I, I would, they had their AIDS walk and I would go to the AIDS walk and drag and um, do the walk. And that's very unusual in Birmingham. So mm-hmm. back then it was. Um, and so I just had a, such a love for the agency and they started having a monthly bingo um, in the basement of their building. Uh, one of the hottest places you'll ever be in the world. <laughs> but, and it's like, you, it's just tables and tables and it's so packed and crowded and you can really move around. But it's um, one of my favorite things to do ever because I just I love doing the bingo and it's so much fun for me. And um, it's a great fundraiser. It's one of their biggest fundraisers that they have every month. So one thing that happened before I left Birmingham, I had a record uh, of being the uh, person who hosted the bingo the most. Mm-hmm. Like I was, the, I was the one asked the most. And there was a lot of times where I was like doing it month after month um, because I loved doing it. And you didn't, you, don't, you didn't get paid for it. You just you got to keep your chips and that was it. Mm-hmm. So, um, even when I was living in Nashville, I came back to Birmingham to do bingo for free because wow. I love doing it so much. Um, and I've actually done it with my mom. Uh, she was the ball caller. And so you do one performance and after the bingo, after the break, before the mm-hmm. second round of game starts. And so my mom and I did, uh, the Juds together. So I performed with my mom. Wow. Which was a cool experience. And, um, yeah. So when I came back to Birmingham, I, I, BAO had always wanted me to come work there for a long time, but I had a great job working at Saks Fifth Avenue and I made a lot of money and they're just, it would have been a huge pay cut for me at that time. And I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So when I came back to Birmingham, I came with, you know, I didn't have a day job in Florida because I was working for Trinity. And so I was like, you know what I can, I'm going to be doing drag obviously. So I'll, you know, it's still going to be a pay cut, but it's fine. I've, I've always wanted to do this. And so I started working there and I've been there a little over a year and a half. Um, it's so great. I love going out and doing the HIV 101 lectures and telling people it's, you know, it helps fight the stigma of people with HIV. Um, and because there's so much stigma surrounded it. Yeah. And misinformation because of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because there's no real education for it. And that's what I love about my job so much is because it's such a needed, uh, uh, part of the job or part of what our agency does, you know, Mm -hmm. because without that, we're never going to end the stigma of, of HIV because people just don't know. Um, I go Mondays, every Monday we go, well, until, until, uh, COVID-19 started, um, we would go to a, a rehab facility on Mondays and do HIV 101 and have C lectures because there's a lot of dual infection. And then we tested for both. And, um, it's, it was, it's my favorite, favorite, favorite day of the week, favorite mm-hmm. day of the week. Cause it was like, um, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and for me, because I'm an, like, now I'm an entertainer, I've gotten more confident in things than. So for, for me, my lecture is a little, it's, it's a, it's an act that I do, you know, it's on drag, but it's, it's an act that I do. I um, yeah. And so I started realizing that cause I, I had little things that, you know, get people's attention and jokes and stuff. And, um, so then my recently our executive director approached me about doing a, um, drag queen story time, mm-hmm. uh, that they were going to do for social media. And uh, it was gonna, we have a, it's called the Magic City Acceptance Center. It's an LGBTQ youth safe place. Um, wow. And it was going to be through that. And I said, you know, I've always had this thing. I've performed for children before, but I was just thinking, I'm like, children don't need to be exposed to someone named obscenity and vice versa. So I just didn't mm-hmm. want to do it. And she kept nagging me and nagging me and nagging me. And so finally I was like, fine, I'll do it. And then I got home and I was so mad because I just did not want to do it. And <laughs> I've been doing this so long that I'm like, I want to do, if I don't want to do something, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And um, so I called her uh, up that evening and I said, you know what? I said, I'm not doing the strike queen story time. I said, but 
I have an idea. We're going to be, I see eventually we're probably going to do like drive-through testing or something like that. We still got to do education. Why don't I make an HIV 101 video? And um, so I filmed it. It was HIV 101. And um, it was, we got a lot of views on it. Trinity shared it and that helped a lot. It was very, very successful. And it's now turned into a series that I'm doing for them um, oh, as obscenity. Yeah. So we did another video about you equals you. And then the, the next one is prep. We just filmed it uh, last week. That's incredible. And where can yeah. you find those videos? Um, on the B Birmingham AIDS Outreach social media. Um, on mm -hmm. Facebook, it's Birmingham AIDS Outreach. I uh, think on Instagram, it's B-A-O-B-H-M or B-A-O-B-H-M, mm -hmm. maybe. <laughs> um, and they're on my social media as well. Um, uh, on Instagram, at Confessing Sin, I post them as well. And when you watch them, make sure you watch it at the very end. There's a blooper reel, and the blooper reel is amazing. Because <laughs> I mess up a lot. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that blooper reel. Um, yes and uh supporting the videos that are coming out especially that prep one i think that is going to be a very very educational one for people oh it's going to be a fun one too because um i have a special guest that uh takes over the show and i have to take it back it's it's cute i can't wait it's gonna be so much it's gonna be so cute well uh listeners we are gonna get things wrapped up but before we head out obscenity where can people keep up with your social media so I have Facebook. Um, I have an obscenity page on Facebook. It's O-B-S-I-N-I-T-Y. Um, that's the joke behind my name is that, that, I, that my friend that uh, called me obscenity the first time and uh, mispronounced uh, or misspelled it. I'm sorry. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of clever, though. You know, S-I-N, you know, sin. And so I played off of that. Um, but then on Instagram, I am at confessing sin. Well, that's fantastic. And I love Instagram. It's my favorite. <laughs> I do, too. Our final question for the pod today, what is the most recent thing that's happened to you that's made you purely happy? Uh, um, honestly, I, to go back on it, because like, the first thing I can think of is that the first HIV 101 video. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something I'm very, very proud of. Yeah. Um, because I, um, it's kind of like something I've always wanted to do like this. And I never really had the opportunity or, or like, like the, uh, means to do it and um the success that we had from it and the rea the uh reactions that i've gotten from it uh mean a lot to me because so, yeah. i'm very proud of it i love doing it you're getting to give back and make a real impact that way yeah mm. yeah yep <laughs> that's what i like to do <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on eye to eye today obscenity yes thank you so much for having me this has been a lot of fun yeah uh I really appreciate that. I've enjoyed, I, I I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed chatting about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> it's my favorite subject. <laughs> All right. And thank you listeners for being here with us now. Go outside. Uh, we'll be here when you get back. But before you go outside, follow me on social media. And don't forget to send news. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yep. I have a reputation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This episode of Eye to Eye was edited by Dylan Newman and the theme song written and performed by Emily Easley. Make sure to rate and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy podcasts today.